Boom, and we are back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and here, of course, always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando from Alpha Vedic. We have a very special guest today uh, coming to us from Canada, uh, Mr. Matt Belair. Uh, he is somebody that we've been following for a while and actually uh, was somebody that Bear Lando uh, made one of his first appearances on his show last year. And so we are so happy to have Matt uh, come and join us today. Uh, he, Matt has traveled the world and put himself in the fire to test his knowledge and limits. His many adventures include studying meditation in Nepal with Buddhist monks, surviving a near-death experience while trekking Everest, earning renown as a professional snowboarding coach, fighting mixed martial arts with pro fighters in Thailand, and training with 34th generation Shaolin monks in China. This wealth of experience has established Matt as a one-of-a-kind coach, author, speaker, podcast host, and conscious thought leader, helping others realize the potential in their own lives. How are you today, Matt? So great to have you on today, man. Yeah, I'm great, man. And it's good to see you both, Bear. It's a pleasure to see you again. And, uh, you know, having him on, I, yeah, you said he was one of the first ones. And I was happy to receive the email from you guys because I was looking at his work. And when you do so many episodes, you have to be discerning about who you have on. And uh, he just blew my mind for about two hours. So that was a privilege to listen to him. And it's, and it's amazing to be here with you both. Oh, very cool. Matt, great to have you here. And uh, good to see you again. Uh, I've, I feel like you're, it's like having an old friend on. And I don't know how long ago it was that I was on your uh, podcast, but that was a lot of fun. I kind of got my uh, feet wet, you know, talking into a microphone and everything. But uh, really good to see you again. And, you know, I think the work you're doing and who you are and, and what you bring to the world is so special because we, uh, you know, we live in a world uh, today that's largely ruled by fear. And uh, it doesn't matter where it comes from and how it's propagated. Uh, you know, it just rules people's lives these days. And it really dampens, uh, uh, you know, uh, individual and collective potential. And you're not just uh, out there having adventures and, and doing things and meeting, you know, life on, uh, you know, uh, right head on and, and, and just uh, testing yourself. But, uh, you know, you've accomplished so much. And, and what I love about you most is your heart. You uh, turn around and, and don't just keep it to yourself, but then you share it with others. And, and your whole life is dedicated to helping people realize their potentials. And, uh, you know, when uh, yeah, I encourage everybody to go to your platform because it's, it's like a university. Not only have you uh, had your own experiences that you share, but then you have uh, amazing guests on uh, just like, you know, really noted individuals. And, and it's like an entire university uh, experience. And I can only imagine, you know, everything you've learned from all your guests along the way, too. And, and I was very honored to. Uh, you know, that you invited me to your show. So great to have you here. And I'm just interested in what you've been up to and, and anything you want to talk about. We kind of go free form here, uh, you know, with our podcast. So I'm just going to sit back and enjoy listening to you. And, and uh, Mike, I'm sure we'll have some questions for you. So uh, anywhere you'd like to start, just take it away. 
Sure. Well, first, thank you. Thank you so much for the kind words. I remember reading somewhere on the internet, a YouTube or something that uh, success for, for this person who was sharing it was uh, praise from individuals that they respect. So in that sense, that I'm very successful because I definitely respect you and your work. Um, before we were chatting on the show, you know, you were talking about integrated medicine and we're talking about like the frontiers of consciousness, human potential. You in your background as an athlete in your day, you know, you look at those old pictures, you're just ripped, you're probably incredibly strong, just squatting 500 pounds or whatever it was, is probably something ridiculous. And you were able to do that as well, but also spending so much time and research in, in the fields of, of medicine and looking at what works, you know, and, and that's the thing that we need to do is we need to test ourselves in our physical bodies. And then we have these kind of enhancements, right? Sometimes it's the food we eat. It could be supplements. It could be uh, gear or technology. And I think that you guys are definitely on the forefront and also have the knowledge to discern what is crap and what is not crap. Because I know that I believed in a lot of crap before, um, you know, and as I got a little bit older and a little bit wiser, I believed in less crap and, and who knows how much nonsense I still believe in. But, uh, you know, you guys have a very fine um, compass when it comes to knowing the truth and what you guys are creating over there. So I have a ton of respect for what you do. And um, for the show, I would love to talk about anything that you guys are excited to talk about. I think that for me personally, I've always just been curious about human potential and what I was capable of and the limits of reality and like what is actually going on here. But as I got older, I also noticed such a high degree of pain and suffering that didn't make any sense for what is supposed to be an intelligent species. If we are an intelligent species, why are there thousands of people dying still you know, of starvation because they don't have enough um, food? And immediately when I was in my teens, I looked and I was like, couldn't all the millionaires or billionaires of the world just chip in like a little bit so these people have rice like rice can't be that expensive and so it just blew my mind and as i got older i i started to look at like systems and then i went down rabbit holes of conspiracy theory and you had uh seven bomar on and he is like the king of that i followed his work for a while and i'm like i don't know <laughs> you know holy crap that guy can go down rabbit holes better than anybody so hopefully i'll have a conversation with him one day but I'm just really passionate about, um, like you said, a lot of people are living in fear. And how is it that we can live a good life? And I recently did a podcast and uh, one person, I did a panel and one person was a fit physicist who wrote a book on flow state. And the other one has a PhD in Buddhism and also talks about uh, positive psychology. And I was thinking about, and I'd love to pose this as a question or a thought, like what is the maximum of human potential? Like if we think about, let's say an ascended master, Jesus or Buddha, that might be like the inner world, right? So we could master in one part our inner world. And what would that look like? Would that look like a 100% feeling of inner peace and joy and contentment throughout our days? But even if you were Jesus or Buddha and you lost a loved one, you would probably feel sadness. But throughout that day, you would, uh, or throughout your life, it's mostly joy, happiness, enthusiasm, curiosity, mystery, all really high emotional states. Then I think about, okay, as humans, we want to create. So how do we create? What are the limits to law of attraction and things like that? Or just using our mind to manifest and just working really hard. So we want to create in the external world. And what are the limits there? You know, I've heard stories in, in the podcast and in ancient texts of people using their mind and they manifest something physically. Is that possible? I don't know. Is that even necessary? I don't know. Um, but what I've learned is that 
manifestation for me seems to be uh, two parts of like visualization and belief in that inner world and then the outer world of actually doing the work, problem solving, failing, problem solving, failing, failing, failing. And you would know that because you've done a lot of work. So I'm assuming you'd have a lot of failure creating products, researching, right? That's a, that's a part of it. And I think that the younger generation wants to skip that part. And I feel like that, you know, easy way. And I was looking for that too, that really easy way um, to get things done. We're forgetting about the hard work. And then the final piece of that of like the ultimate human would be the contribution. What is it that we could do for other people? So if I could wave a magic wand and have all the people who are starving to death, not starve to death or anybody suffering from uh, something, you know, oppression in a serious way that would stop. Should I do that? Or is that even possible or necessary? And so that was just the discussion we had yesterday. And I, and I think about those things because in my life, that's something I feel like I would love to move toward. I don't know if I can move the needle in any of those things, but stuff that I think about constantly, because what I would love to see and what I would hope to see and what I'd love for the work that I, that I do or share is just more conversation on peace, more conversation on kindness. And I think that's the big upgrade for our civilization first is, is actually having a planet where we're not murdering each other, where we actually are peaceful. And one of the analogies that I use is like, just imagine Team USA, we're going to the Olympics, right? And Team USA versus Team Russia versus Canada, Sweden, Sweden, Norway, Korea, all that. What if everybody, all those countries work together on the biggest problems that we face? You know, if there were extraterrestrials looking at us from whatever planet, they'd be like, these guys are kind of violent. Um, but in the, you know, Universal Olympics, we wouldn't even be allowed to play because we're so violent, right? And so what, what is possible if we were Team Earth and we worked together? I think as, as a human species, we could be absolutely incredible, but we have to, you know, get past all this pettiness and, and whatever systems are, are creating this, this paradigm where we're um, competing with each other and we're killing each other. That's a big rant. So there you go. <laughs> it's, it's a great rant. And you open up uh, so many issues we could go down. You know, you mentioned rabbit holes and, and we can talk about, well, why are people in such a state of fear? And, you know, of course, the fear is what brings out the worst in all of us and keeps us all separate and separate from ourselves. And it doesn't even matter who or why, if it's on purpose or if certain people uh, get a kick out of it. You know, I've been down all those uh, uh, pathways, too. And, and you find out that, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, but you still have to go back to square one, which is, well, what do we do about it? And, uh, you know, knowledge is the great antidote to everything, uh, especially fear. And I think the, the, even in a lot of, um, you know, avant-garde spiritual circles, we make the mistake of separating all the parts. And you, you know, ask the question, well, um, you know, how do we create, how do we uh, take care of our inner world and then manifest in the outer world at the same time? Well, they're actually one and the same. And, uh, you know, and I think when we heal that separation, just like the Shin masters of old, you know, Jesus, Buddha, and some of the others that you mentioned, uh, you know, in old school, they're referred to as Shin masters because they understood this was a simulation. You know, last time you and I talked, we went down some of the mechanics of that, and I'll spare everybody this time. But, you know, the, the science and, and the mechanics of this has been laid out. Uh, that can uh, be applied to technology, can be applied to all of our so-called spiritual practices, where we understand that 
the only creative uh, power in the universe is our own consciousness. And that's the way these forces are put into play into the simulation we call physicality. So when we can, you know, really, and, and that's sort of our message and in, in, in integrative medicine that I was involved with for so many years and still am, uh, you know, it was about, yeah, we need good external grounded practices and modalities that will help people bridge that gap. But then we still have to get to the point, even with our outer technologies, like even down to our iPhones and things, we have to understand that no technologies of the future, including medicine, have to integrate our own consciousness with them and not give our power away to a system of medicine, to a technology and and we I mentioned last uh, show that we we're actually working with technologies now, uh, unlike um, you know some of these uh, uh, people that are suggesting we meld in with machines and and live forever that way. Uh, to the contrary, there are actually technologies that exist that require your input, in, uh, your intent, and your input of your own thoughts and emotions in order to make them work. So it's a real interactive process. So I think that's what technologies are really supposed to be leading us into integrative medicine. Of course, you have to lead the people, uh, you know, once you've stabilized a, a certain amount on ground level, then you have to lead them to the place that you are the power. You're the battery that's making this all happen in the first place. And then, you know, that's where we see those miracles in medicine happen uh, routinely when people connect on that level and then take it up to the level where you're talking about when our institutions, our educational systems, our media, and our entertainment are all on board fostering that same reality, that's when humanity will change. And this is uh, how we start right here with people like yourself. You know, maybe Hollywood isn't on board yet. Uh, on the other hand, there's a growing, uh, you know, amount of platforms uh, like yourself that are putting truth out, uh, using your own lives to explore and share your own experience. So um, I'll stop there and, and any, any response you have to that. Yeah, I loved all that. There's, there's so many directions. I think the one thing that I really like there is that we, we have these technologies and the thing that I've seen, or if you look at young kids today is they're getting sucked into their phones. So we, they have the ability to access any kind of information they want from the power of their hands. You know, you would know this cause you're a little bit older than me. And I would know this because I grew up with, you know, uh, Nintendo being the first system and how basic that is. And so we can use technology for good, but also people are forgetting about, like the human technology, our own bodies, spending time in nature and the importance of that. And so a lot of the training I've been doing lately and for the last year is just shutting everything off and making sure I'm spending time in the forest. When I was snowboarding all the time around the world, it was easy for me and I was in nature all of the time. But just sitting quietly in nature, um, I've been mentored by a Native American elder for the last couple of years. His name's David Lonebear Senapas. And interestingly enough, he's one of the most extraordinary, probably by far the most extraordinary person, definitely, definitely, not probably, definitely the most interesting person I've ever met or interviewed. And his story goes that he spent 26 years of his life on the side of a mountain being trained by 600 elders from around the world. In a podcast wow. on the Leak Project, and, and my first one, he said some of these uh, teachers were star travelers. And so that's some far out there stuff to begin with. I have 
also traveled to Guatemala to learn from a Mayan elder who's come on my podcast two or three times. His name's Carlos Barrios. And I was in Sedona with David and Clifford Mahuti, who's a Zuni elder. They all have a 20,000 year history, all three of them. They didn't know each other until I introduced them. Um, all of them, their history is oral and they all speak of the star people. And to them, it's like knowing sheep or goats exist. It's not special. And they basically, from studying with them, what they've said is the reason why you don't have contact, and we did, is because you're not peaceful, is because you're violent and you can't be trusted. And what they've all preached from the beginning is community. They say you get a certain amount of people together in the resonance of kindness, compassion, and happiness, then you might have somebody show up. And so some of the training that he'd have me do and and when somebody says something to you like that, like, okay, I don't know that much about the native culture, um, but, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And I've seen a few things. And one of the first uh, amazing things of credibility was when I went to his house, he had nunchucks. And so I grabbed the nunchucks and uh, started playing with them. And my nunchuck skill is very basic. I can get away with it. But if I was in a fight, I'd probably bonk myself in the head more than it was a weapon. But I can kind of mess around with them a little bit. And uh, he said, let me see those for a second. And he looked like Bruce Lee. He's this tiny Native American guy. And he looks like Bruce Lee with nunchucks. We go training out by the ocean. And he has a frigging iron ball tied on the end of a 26-foot rope or something. And when I trained in China with the Shaolin monks, they train all day, every day. That's how they become who they are. And the way that they're able to break stone, because that was one of the interesting things I wanted to figure out and what I'm curious about, what are the limits of human potential and who is doing that? Well, there's only a couple examples. Shaolin monks are doing that. People who say they can uh, do, um, what do you call it? Telekinesis. I haven't seen anything valid for that. Usually it's a magic trick and I call it black magic because they're doing a magic trick, but they're saying they can do it with their mind. An example of that is Yuri Geller. You can't bend spoons. It's a magic trick, but he's telling you he can with his mind. That's not cool. But the Shaolin monks could actually do this. And part of it was from conditioning their fingers. There was dent holes in the trees from conditioning their fingers and poking it. And I had to do that. It was a ridiculous practice and it hurt. Um, but they did that for years. <laughs> and when I interviewed him, he said basically that um, I direct my chi into my fingers. And then I, you know, I've conditioned my fingers for a year and that's how I'm able to do it. And I said, well, why don't you do it all the time? He goes, well, I could break my fingers. And I was like, interesting. And so it had this element of reality you know and i think it was very fascinating but watching them train to go back to the native american i saw them train at night and it was unbelievable what i was watching was it was so extraordinary the level of mastery they had with these weapons and skills and what they were able to do with their body david with that rope when he used it would take years of mastery to be able to do that because I witnessed it before and I know how complicated that tool is and everyone he touches, there's a level of mastery to. So it just gives weight to his, his story. And you know, some, a lot of the training that he would have me do would, would be the last thing that you would think. Uh, you know, one of them was go find, uh, go out at midnight, find the darkest place in a forest. You can um, sit there and ask yourself who you are. And so, um, but so I go do that and I find the darkest, scariest forest and it's so dark and I'm in there and I'm walking into this deep forest and I'm afraid I'm a 35 year old man with a beard who has a pretty good deadlift and has been doing lots of martial arts and is strong. And I am terrified and I just sit there in my tree and I was like, and there's all these creeks in the trees. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. Why am I afraid? 
And then over time I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, and it just showed like my disconnection from just going out at night, you know, from just being in the forest by, by being off a screen, by being off YouTube, by being off Instagram, just going out into nature and how far we've kind of come from that as a culture, because it seems like we're moving toward, um, pacification and like that movie Wally when they're all up in the spaceship and they don't even get out of their chairs and food is brought to them and the heroic part of the movie is where the big huge fat guy stands up it kind of seems like we've taken this technology but we've gotten a little bit too far a little bit too fat passive a little bit too cozy and I know Mike was uh, talking about doing a cold shower and last year I did I did the cold training so I went out um, in the winter in Nelson, British Columbia, and it was beautiful in the mountains. And that's when I wanted to do it. And it was, you know, minus 10 to minus 15, sometimes colder. And it was terrible. And I did it. But the biggest thing that I learned from that was like, just getting comfortable with in- uncomfortable situations, forcing me into the moment. And that was like a spiritual experience being like, holy crap, I am alive right now because every part of me is screaming to get out of this water, to get out of this cold. And it was such a level of life, such a level of connection. And it could only be an experience through something actually real and physical. You know, Matt, um, there's that old saying when, uh, when you're ready to teach your peers and you're a living example that, you know, I hear, I know a little bit about your background, some of your adventures and what you just shared with us, which is amazing. And uh, the reason why everybody isn't uh, having those kinds of experiences, and to some people, they might even sound fantastical, but uh, the fact is, is uh, when you are open and ready to face yourself, then these experiences, these teachers, these special people do come to you. And um, so any, you know, I know you've had adventures in uh, China and elsewhere in the world. Anything uh, else you could share with us uh, as far as any of those? Oh man, I've got, I've got stories and stories for days. Um, you know, it's, it's an, there's so many amazing experiences. I think that overall, what I would just share with people because I've been traveling for a long time and doing a lot of those things, I just was very clear on what I wanted to do and who I wanted to learn from and very curious. And so I just found like the best teachers I could and, and, best experiences. And I'm almost like an independent journalist of if Jesus Christ is here, I'm going to go find him. If there's a superhuman here, I'm going to go find him, find out about what their practices are and, and what's real. You know, if Babaji is still in that mountain in India, I'm, a, I'm eventually going to go over there. I'm going to check it out and see if he's there, see if I'm ready to see him. One of the main things that I really enjoyed learning from my uh, friend, David Lone Bear, who's the Mi'kmaq, he, um, very fascinating person, but I've, I've read a lot of spiritual books and tons of podcasts. I'm at over episode 300. I'm always reading and doing courses. The best spiritual lesson I've ever heard was uh, do three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do it and don't tell anybody. He also gave me a two hour. Um, he's a mathematician and Robert Grant is on my podcast. Check out Robert Grant. He's a mathematician. He is unbelievably brilliant. He's made all these mathematical breakthroughs. Amazing. I podcast. get Robert. Yeah, I, I get Robert to check out David's math. Robert explains it in cubes, and I don't know, really know what they're talking about. They're talking about the distance from the earth to the moon to like in, infinity to um, solving time and gravity through math. David explains it to him in triangles, back to him. Um, and so the math level and that like 
extraordinary intelligent mind is is one part and there is a technology but the best spiritual teaching i've ever heard was to do the three kind acts and the way that i could explain what he said to me he said if you want the higher consciousness you need to do it together because you're an electrical unit you need more what would it be nodes so if you had like 2000 nodes you could hold more current he's like that's how you're going to do it you're going to do it together and when he was sharing that lesson to me it, it made me think of like your cells when they all form together and they form a new thing that's kind of what i thought of a whole bunch of people like experiencing this higher level and there are people in the community that have experienced um some pretty mystical experiences in that realm um so i just kind of wanted to share that because it was like a two-hour lecture and 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 that was one of the most important lessons and that was uh at his house in maine when i was there for the summer but as far as like travel stories you know this one is a little bit interesting just to share the experience. I was in Guatemala and I was there for the Mayan fire ceremony and I wanted to learn from Carl, Carlos Barrios and they were doing this fire ceremony in Tikal and I guess that Tikal was um, sh not shut down but they didn't let the indigenous do their ceremonies that they were doing for thousands of years and there was like 80,000 people murdered in the early 90s the indigenous people want to do them so this was the first ceremony that they allowed them back so i wanted to go from that and and talk to the indigenous and figure out what was going on and before that ceremony i had some time to do some exploring so i was doing this volcano hike and it was early in the morning and and uh, so i had to get up at 4 a.m i barely catch the bus i'm asleep on the way and start trekking into this dark jungle and i'm the last person at the end of the line of people going in and uh you know so super dark and i get this feeling i'm like i think there might be somebody behind me so i kind of stop and i look behind me and it's like just a forest canopy i can see the sky and it's all great and uh so i keep walking in and then all of a sudden i get that sense again and i'm the last person in the line i turn around and there's a big gun pointing right to my forehead and <laughs> this is uh i'll explain it as i go along but my reaction of infinite reactions that I could do was basically just to ignore them. And I just turned around wow. and kept walking. And <laughs> the guy was holding the gun like this. He had a mask on his face and there was a guy to his right, to his left. I basically played chicken. I completely ignored him. But the interesting thing was well, I didn't have a fear response in that moment. I was more like just, just very in the moment, but not fear response. So I keep walking. Um, he, I take about five steps. He's behind me again. I turn back around. Guns in my face. The two guys are there looking at me. I look at them and just turn around and start walking away again. And so, and so I take about five more steps. Now they're making noise. I turn back around. The gun's in my face. And then now they're saying, get down. You know what I mean? Get down. They're waving the gun to get down. And I'm just staring at this guy in the face with the two guys behind him. And I don't have a fear response at this time yet. I'm just observing. I look back and every single other person that was on the tour is on the ground other than me. And I just, so then I turn back around to see what the guy with the gun is doing. And he has stepped back and the other two guys have stepped back. He takes the gun in the air and he shoots it. So it's, it's this like old Magnum, big silver gun. And so at that point I go, Oh, I should probably get down now. So I kind of slowly get down and I'm keeping my eyes on the guy. I'm not really doing anything. And he goes down the line and I think he's going to come take my phone. So I put my phone, I put it in the bush so he can't have it because I, I want it. Um, but he goes down the line, doesn't even come to me, goes to the end of the line, 
shoots the gun in the air and then leaves in the forest. We end up having a debate whether we're going to continue on this trail or not because we've just been mugged. Um, what, in the meantime, what I found out is as I was staring at him like a dummy and everybody else was on the ground, uh, they had gotten rid of all their stuff. So nobody had anything stolen. And also some people brought a fake phone. I've never thought about that, but if you travel, bring a dummy phone, just a crappy one, wow. give them that, then you fake wallet, right? So that's a really good travel tip there. So we end up going to the hike and this is beautiful sunrise tour. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, why wasn't like I afraid? Like, was I in shock? And I was like, I don't know. And I, and I kind of like replay what happened. And what I think was, I've thought about that. I've traveled so many foreign countries. I've thought about that scenario a million times, somebody mugging me. So I've already had that mental rehearsal in my mind. Um, but why didn't I like do some sweet Bruce Lee kick to the nuts and like disarm them and do something epic. Um, there was two other guys there. So probably not the, the smartest thing and there could be people in the forest, but I think that the only reason I like to share that story is because like at that moment, the reason that that guy didn't do that, didn't shoot me. And I played roulette, maybe not the smartest way. Cause there's a million different situations, but why, whatever I did in that scenario is like, it's a pattern interrupt rather than like going towards him with the energy, I just kind of disregarded it. He'd have to commit a murder to get some stuff. And he probably doesn't want to murder. He probably just wants some stuff. So to go back in time, if I could, I could have, I, I should have just gave him my wallet. But again, in that scenario, if he has a gun to my head and I go to my hands, I'm trying to give him my wallet. He's not using English. He's, he was yelling at me in Spanish. And so there wasn't a communication dialogue there. So um, I've had a few run-ins um, traveling um, and near-death experiences. I think that's the third one. But the only reason I like to share that one is because I think there's something to be said with like, if you do, I think it was all the training that I had done to let up to that to do nothing, if that makes any sense. Like yeah. if you know how to fight, you know how to do all those things. Like it sounds like I wasn't afraid because I wanted to attack them. I still probably would have lost even though I know martial arts because there's two people there. Um, but the ability to like to prepare yourself. And I feel like when we go about our daily life and we do just simple things, we take care of our mind, we take care of our body. Um, we have compassion for other people. And I knew, I think that because I thought about that situation so many times, I knew that he didn't want to commit a murder. If he wanted to commit a murder, he would have just came through and murdered everybody and taken their stuff. What he wanted and what he needed was resources for his family probably. And so I think somewhere in my mind, um, it knew that and just the body was responding. I didn't make any of these choices. I didn't go through any of the lists of choices and then pick that. It's just what my body did. <laughs> and then after it all happened, I kind of reflected on it. I was like, that is a very fascinating choice <laughs> for crazy. a circumstance like that. So I could only try to think about why the heck I would do that because I definitely didn't, you know, pick it. It was just, it yeah. just happened. You're going, you're going with your instincts because of all your training, I mean, that's one thing with martial arts, right, is you learned that body, mind, soul connection, and you were just going with the, you know, the calmness, you're in the calm within the ocean there. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, that's what's fascinating about doing martial arts. And I've only dabbled, I know Bear is much more experienced in that. But from just from my studies and stuff, that's what I gather is that, uh, those that are really experienced in martial arts are the last ones to attack someone or or do anything physical. It's really a mental game. 
Um, and that is interesting that you say that uh, it's a, you know, and this is going to play into something I wanted to get into on this discussion today, was that he was looking for resources for his family. And that's really what we're, we're talking about here is what I personally think is we're leaving this grand epoch of scarcity, which has dominated our reality for thousands of years. And as we're going into this transition, into this new age, um, this new epoch of abundance, I feel like that's where we're really sitting in right now is this, we're in the transition time. And it's what Bear was mentioning earlier with like media and entertainment is still based in that. The Hollywood stories are all related to these ideas of a, uh, of a hero's journey who's trying to fight for their lives to survive. And it's compete or it's the story, the classic story of competing against others to be number one, right? versus the more holistic story, the more integrative stories that we talk about, which is related to compassion and to uh, collaboration and cooperation and working together to see a grander vision that is really more, in the end, healthy and, and peaceful and fun and happy. And so, you know, we envision a time where you're going through the jungles of Guatemala and those guys come out and they slap you on the back and, and hand you a, a banana or something. And you guys walk together and tell stories. And I think that's where we're moving towards. And that's, um, you know, the title of this show is The Coming Transition. And I know you talk with so many amazing guests that I felt like you would have some amazing insights into this with all the data that you're collecting on your, on your podcasts and your research and your travels and stuff, maybe that's a great thing to just kind of move into now is where you see us going and how this is all playing out. Yeah, that's a really great question. And the one thing I wanted to add to that too is, you know, that person who did that, that's like the 1%. Most people in especially the underprivileged countries are kind. 99% yes. of them. It's just like anywhere you've got a few bad seeds. So totally. you don't let that de deter you or blanket it as a whole bunch of people. Cause I think ultimately all of us are the same. We, we want the same things and we're, we're kind at heart, but it's our, our paradigms, our structures, our cultural influences that create the people that we become, you know, and those are the things that we really need to look at and the coming transition and what I hope to see anyway, um, what I've kind of deduced from interviewing so many people and traveling and, and learning is that for me, you know, an enlightened person, quote unquote, it, you know, it's not something where I used to believe it was you float in the clouds and you're like Jesus Christ and it's all hunky dory hundred percent of the time. What I, what I think is more reasonable now is that an enlightened person just takes responsibility for their life and their actions and what they're doing. So if any area of your life is off, you just take responsibility for that because from that you can then change it. If you're, if you're blaming everything on everybody else, then there's going to be no opportunity for healing, for growth um, or anything like that. And then the other thing is, you know, rather than from comp, you go from competition to collaboration, how can I help? How can I give back? How can I serve? And, and most of the time it's going to be through your unique skills. And so if I look at the world and what I would hope to see happening with all of the technology and all of the resources that we have is people coming together and being and living more kind, more compassionate, um, and more collaborative ways. And 
it's going to be interesting because there are still, I believe, institutions and interests that don't want that to happen. You know, why do we still have, uh, you know, the energy the way it is? Why are we not already working on things that make more sense? Why, like, politics is unbelievable. Uh, Frank Zappa said, uh, politics is the entertainment division of the military industrial complex. I don't know if that's true or not, but what I do know is that two people arguing, you know, Two people arguing about nothing doesn't make any sense. If I was an ET coming down and be like, why don't you get your like smartest scientists and, you know, people in uh, social sciences and all that working together collaboratively to make the best environment for all people. And so what I hope for and what I see is definitely possible when we start to disengage from those structures, those habits, those ideas, those way of being that is competitive, that is harmful. And we start to move towards building the solutions together. Then we have the, capacity and capability to live in peace and i think we can do that individually and then collectively because one of the examples i was just discussing on the show and i think of is um you could take somebody in the military for example and i have a huge respect for somebody who is in the military or uh, police or something like that and it, it's a tough one because on on one hand i i really feel strongly about righteousness and and not killing people and all that stuff, right? So if my job is to help people not get murdered, then that seems to be righteous. But at the same time, if I'm in the Canadian military, the US military, I might be in a scenario where I'm put in a spot where I need to kill somebody. And maybe if you do that for a long time, that's just your normal way of life. And so your existence is in war. Your existence is actually in those experiences. But if you change your way of thinking, if you change your passions, if you change the thing you want to contribute to, like how do we create more peace without going to war? Um, you know, Gandhi was able to do it in, in a certain way. And so that individual would change their whole life by just choosing not to show up in that environment. Now, does that mean that the bad guys don't exist? I don't know. Um, but I know that if everybody simultaneously decided to stop that paradigm, then things would change. And so is it really that one person has to do it at a time to find the overall big solution? I don't know about that either, but I do know that the individual that lays the sword down, so to speak, or lays the gun down, they change their experience for their life. And they can then spend time to build something else that might be of more contribution. And Buckminster Fuller, Buckminster Fuller put it the, the best way. He said, um, Bear, you want to say the quote? You know what I'm talking about? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. It's not coming it's, to mind. It's, it's the I, one I think where he I talks know where about, you're going um, now. Yeah, you don't. You don't. Uh, you don't change the system by fighting the old. You oh yeah, building the new. It's worded a little bit differently, and and so that's what I would hope to see is that we see these issues of the, in the world, and we start to work together in communities to to solve them. And what I see is definitely possible is if that starts to happen, we start to really clear out our, our minds and our hearts because bear what you talked about earlier is these, these systems of, and I've studied this quite a bit. There's a very interesting documentary and there's a lot of research on this in general, but uh, the century of self by Edward Bernays. I think that since we're raised, we're in this very sophisticated system of indoctrination and if I say don't think about a pink hippopotamus or try not to think of an American flag, um, you have those images pop up into your mind. And images can then be associated with emotions. And we're actually very simple creatures. We're very easily manipulated, especially in masses, which is troubling. 
And so if we had clear direction and worldviews that made sense, worldviews that promoted harmony, peace, together, togetherness, um, collaboration, our ability as a human species and individuals to live a life that was close to what we would see as like Eden or an ideal civilization and be an actual space race is totally feasible. But we're living with, with at one end such high technology and ability and advancement in so many ways, but so primitive at the exact same time. And so if we could kind of overcome those primitive natures in our structures, but first of all in ourselves to set that example so that other people can then come along and then it'd be two and then 10 and then other groups. And then they would collaborate with other groups. And eventually we would get to a space that would make more sense um, because yeah, I could go on forever for that, but we got to get rid of the money system. We've got, got to get rid of this competition paradigm. We've got to get rid of all of this hate. And so what do we need to be? We need to be more kind, more compassionate and work diligently toward creating something, you know, if it's a small impact, um, that's still something that you've built from your life. You know, if, if it's meaningful to you and it's helpful to others, then it, you know, it's going to have an impact. I really, I really believe uh, hate and fear is a learned behavior. I don't think it's our true nature, but part of the indoctrination I'm, I'm convinced is, uh, you know, telling us that that is our true nature, that somehow it's impossible not to have wars and have cooperation and uh, there's even ample evidence now that our history has been so radically altered uh, to foster this whole narrative that, you know, we're primitive and, and, and basically uh, hateful people. But there's uh, been civilizations prior that have come and gone that have proved that that's really not the case. And, of course, that's why we don't learn about those, those time periods. And, uh, you know, the old uh, thing, uh, divide and conquer, you know, that's the, that's, that's the oldest trick in the book is to keep everybody afraid and hating each other. And, and we can see that evidence so much uh, today where issues have been manufactured out of thin air just to keep different groups hating other groups of people. You know, Gandhi proved it better than anybody. And it's the most uh, science evidence-based example of the way things actually work than anything I can think of because all he simply said is don't participate and of course uh, there's no way you could have wars uh, there's no way you could have uh, competition at the expense of other people unless we all participated and you know a lot of us in prior years we've we've gone down into those uh, rabbit holes where we've learned, uh, you know, who's behind the Federal Reserve and what the military industrial complex is really about. And, you know, what you find initially is very disturbing. And, uh, you know, it's something that I think is, uh, you know, you necessarily have to do because if you don't know what's going on, then you're going to be easily duped by it and, uh, you know, taken in by it. But if you can come out the other side, just like any uh, bad relationship that ends, you know, you go through all the predictable stages of, uh, of uh, you know, just uh, discouragement and having your heart broken and uh, anger and resentment. And then finally you come out the other end and you find there's life after. Well, a lot of us now that have gone down those rabbit holes and realized that while we were just purposely deceived, um, you know, you do get to the point where you realize, well, okay, 
uh, I'm over it, and now what do we do about it? And I think that's where we're at on the planet right now. And I, you know, we talk about, well, uh, how do we get to that next place? I think the realization we have to come to is that we're already in that next place because there are larger forces in the universe that have always been there, never left there. And, uh, you know, this little experiment in this simulation is uh, throwing off right now all the remnants of the archaic thoughts and practices that have kept us in the darkness. And just like a sick body, I always like to use that example, uh, before it gets better, sometimes it looks a lot worse. And so uh, all the problems and things we see are actually all the things that necessarily have to come to the surface so that we can all observe them and say, we don't want to participate in that anymore, just like Gandhi did. And the fact is, is we have been used for batteries for everything that we don't want in the world. And when we come to the point where we understand that this cannot continue unless we participate in it. And of course, that's where it comes to the individual journey where you can only stop your participation. Uh, you know, I mean, think of all the things that we're up against, you know, pay your taxes, buckle up, uh, you know, just, uh, um, just all the, the things based on false assumptions uh, of uh, people having authority over other people. And I'm not saying, you know, it has to be some kind of, um, you know, chaotic uh, anarchy, but there are real laws in the universe. All you have to do, like you've done, is go spend some time in nature and you find out what the real law is. And when people are left to their own devices, you come to those same conclusions and you start following the same patterns of nature. That's what martial arts training is all about. That's why when you're in that situation in Guatemala, um, you know, you proved out the, the most basic axiom of martial arts, which is the best way to win a fight is to not fight at all. And the more you know, the more you um, harness your own fear then you don't succumb to it. And you can also just sit back and say, well, I don't have to do that. And as a people, each one of us individually that goes down that road and faces our own fears like you have done, uh, then we contribute to that critical mass that we're about, uh, you know, a half an inch away from, I'm convinced right now, where all of a sudden people are going to wake up the next morning and, and it's going to be like waking up from a dream and it's going to be a distant memory. So we're a lot closer to the change we want to see than we can possibly realize. And the only way we're going to impede our progress and slow it down is by focusing on the people that we think have authority or power over us or to think that well, it's hopeless because certain people do have the power and we still have to get up and go to work and pay the rent. Well, every courageous individual that proves there's a different way in his own life, again, is going to contribute to that change. And that change is happening right now. And, and I'm convinced in these next two years, we're going to scarcely believe the world we live in compared to what we see now. So uh, any, any uh, comments from the peanut gallery out there, Mike? Well, yeah, well, I just wanted to <laughs> go ahead. You Matt. mind if I just go comment? ahead? Because what I really loved about is, is that participation piece, because 
from what I understand and have looked at, like part of the podcast, my hope is to look for people who are contributing or doing something positive for the planet. So anybody doing something really positive for other people, I want to support that and help that. And, you know, when I look out there, there are some things, but there are not that many things. If you know a really great project out there that's helping people, uh, whether it's like, anything just send it my way and i'll promote it and help however i can um there's just unfortunately like there are lots but what i think what i mean is that it needs to it unfortunately has to start with the individual i in my mind am like oh well this doesn't make any sense let's change the whole system i can't do that i wish i could and i would if i could um but i think the systems are slow it really does come to that non-participation in the individual it it, it seems that it needs to be an individual liberation first. So if you're in a life that you hate and is not inspiring, it could be you go to a job and you're an accountant and you hate it. If you go to a job and you're an accountant and you love it, then you're set. You got no problem. Um, if you go to a job and whatever the case is, you don't like it. If you're contributing to harm um, and it doesn't feel right, the second that you step out of that and figure out who am I? What did I come here to do? What are my values? What do I want to have as human experiences? What are my passions? What do I want to learn? What do I want to experience in life? Does it need to be so serious? Can it be fun? And if we can connect to the things that are joyful or look at the problems that really bug us and say, you know what, I want to make a small dent in helping that, it's almost you have to release and disengage from everything that's promised from you for you by the establishment. What was shocked me, I always thought that I thought like a regular person and I realized I thought a little bit differently when I was 19 and every single one of my friends went to college and university. I went to college for two years because I, it's like, if you don't go to university, you're not an intelligent person basically is what they're saying to you. So if you don't go to college, you're a real dummy because you just have a high school. So that's what kind of the impression and the cultural program that I had. So I was like, I better at least do college. So I did college and I was done and every one of my friends because uh, I wanted to go traveling immediately. And every single one of my friends did university. And I was like, you guys aren't thinking about like what you want to do, where you'd want to travel, what you want to explore, what you want to get better at. And it, it confused me. And that's when I went to Whistler and, and did a whole bunch of snowboarding and, and mm-hmm. lots of fun there. Um, so, so that alone was fascinating. But as we can like, like you guys are a great example of it. You know, you have Alpha Vedic is something that you're passionate about. You have a farm. Um, it takes your day in and day out effort. It's like a livelihood. It's a vocation. It's what you're doing. You have to build it. You have to go through all of those things and it creates who you are as a, as a person. And it also now becoming an entity through a business saying, hey, this is our business culture. This is what we stand for. This is what we're learning. This is what we're attempting to master. And it shows people that, oh, there is a way to do that. But it ultimately has to be up to you in that decision. And most people, it's too frightening to disengage from what the establishment is offering. We are offering you peace and security. We are offering you a social insurance number. We are offering you to pay taxes. It's the exact same system that they had in like the Roman days where it was just more obvious back then. You go into the city walls and this big, huge castle and a king and queen and be like, that's the banker. That's the religious clerk. That's that thing. They run everything. All of us are pawns down here. Hopefully you're a blacksmith. You're doing okay in the city. Um, But if you want to go outside that city, you know, and you got some guy with a spear there getting your taxes, half of what you're making, you know? And so if you want to go outside the city, it's frightening, but there's a, there's a old um, philosopher, Epicurus. Are you guys familiar with him? Yep. Yeah. And so one of the things he did, he's a, one of his main 
things he liked to talk about was happiness. And uh, one, one of them is so simple. It's great. He's like, if you're going to eat, if you're going to have a meal, see what friends are around to have a meal with. That's essentially what he's saying. Like eat with somebody else. And he actually um, built like a little community outside of the walls with people that he liked. And they had that ability in those days. And so I think it's just such an important thing to say that this liberation, like we want it to be planetary, but that is, it has to be individual and then planetary. And when the more individuals make that choice, because you're the only one experiencing your universe, you know, you guys are like, if we're in the hologram, you guys are the secondary characters and I am the secondary character for you. And everything I experience is, it's all I can do. I can learn from you, um, but I can only experience my universe. So when you change your own universe, you're, you're changing the entire world for yourself. And so if you're always negative, always complaining, always looking for the worst, that's what you're going to find and show up. But if you start to engage in, in understanding, like, who am I? Like looking in, who am I? What am I passionate about? What did I come here to do? And when you find that security, peace, strength, connection to spirit of the universe in that way, you look at how can you help give people this liberation yourself? Because just because you do it, it doesn't mean it's easy. You know, farming is a pain in the ass. It takes a lot of work, um, but you're out there doing it. You're not saying, oh, woe is me. I'm planting today and this and that. You're like, this is what I get to do. This is what I'm doing. Oh, this thing broke again, damn it. And so you go through your own struggles, but you, you have a vocation and a willingness because it's something that inspires you and it's uniquely who you are. It's your contribution. And yep. so the, um, the task and the suggestion and the quest is for each individual to find that within themselves. And that's, that's the real courage because it's not, a, it's not a safe road and it's not guaranteed but neither is the establishment. All we know about the establishment is you get to participate in that and it could change at any moment. With, well, you know. the establishment is fracturing too. And it's, it's, we're seeing the law of polarity really in, um, expand right now. We have these massive um, you know, differences between each polarity. And so at one point for a long time, the establishment polarity was very much stable, but now we're seeing that fracturing and it's forcing people to, to get uh, more in line with what they really want and ask not only what they really want, but why they really want that. You know, most people think what they don't want, that's pretty easy, right? I don't want to be poor. I, I, I don't want to be cold and hungry. But then when you actually ask people like what you want, you know, they have an idea like, oh, I'd love to be a millionaire. But then you ask, why do you want to be a millionaire? Oh, I, and, and then it, that actually starts a new energetic. That starts something in the universe that triggers a deeper meaning to your life. And you mentioned, and you said it's kind of unfortunate it's all individuals, but I think it's actually super fortunate. I think we're seeing in a massively important trend right now. You see it on YouTube with all these influencers that are really just focusing on individual um, you know, designing your lifestyle, designing your life and figuring out what and why you want it. And a lot of millennials are actually embracing this. It's really cool. Like a lot of them are becoming more into the freelance world because of technology, allowing them to do that. You know, whether it's just picking up an Uber gig while you're becoming a video editor or getting into photography, or people are even embracing the travel lifestyle and are just vlogging and traveling around the world and providing that new content. I mean, that's like pretty much all I watch now is YouTube. Uh, and I feel like that is where we're seeing, right? This, these trends right now is really important. People are starting to design their life and be free from the establishment 
and be free from that, the rigor all of go to eight years of this school, and then you got to go to four years of this school, and then you got to, you know, if you want to be an attorney, four more years of this school, and then by, by the time you know it, you're 30 and miserable, and sure, you're driving a BMW, but you're stuck in that, that lifestyle that is really soulless. So we are seeing, you know, I'm all about positivity, and we're seeing such positive evolution right now um, where people are starting to design their lives and figure this out. So, you know, I personally believe that as that happens, then those souls are going to connect with like-minded souls, and then we're going to start seeing more and more of these systems develop. You know, we talk about this a lot on the show is solutions, and one, you know, we're all about permaculture, for example, which is an amazing solution to help the planet uh, in many ways, as well as uh, localities figure out better ways to grow food and be more resilient. And, um, you know, cryptocurrency is something we're big on and these other new decentralized technologies, it's happening. Like the transition is happening right now. And folks like you, Matt, you are, you know, on the leading edge of bringing content and bringing all these amazing guests so that people can really start figuring this out for themselves. So, yeah, um, I'm extremely positive where, where everything's going and so happy to see that um, more and more people are, are waking up to this why. It's like, why am I here? Why? I mean, that's what ancient philosophers were all about, right? The Stoics and like you were mentioning the ancient Greek philosophers. That's the most important question is why am I here and why do I want these things? And we know it's like become pretty mainstream now that we know we're in a thought-based universe and that what we think and what our emotions believe in is what we create. As you were saying in this hologram idea, this is real. Like we are our own, in our own hero's journey and we create our reality. So that's why it's so important to know what we want and why we want it, because then we will manifest it. We will literally create that reality for us. So I think you're doing really important work, and we're trying to get that why across to people. Like, why are you here, and what do you want to do, and why do you want to do that? And, um, and it's, really, it's really cool to see that growing rapidly all around us. Yeah, man. The, the only thing I want to add there, and I'm so glad you came up with the why, because it, it's paramount for why you do anything. And when I, when I, I've been a Burning Man a bunch, I love Burning yeah. Man. It's a ton yeah. of fun, but it's interesting because when you go, it's like you, you get out of those surface conversations really quick. So it's like more like, how are you? How do you enjoy your life? And, and I'd say, well, what would you do if you could do anything? Like, what do you want to do? Most people can answer that question. And I'm glad you kind of caught what I said about, um, you know, I, I can't remember how you phrased it, but I said something like, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to do it ourselves. I think I'm glad I could, you said that because I want to clarify, it's unfortunate only in the way that you have to do the work. No one's sure. going to do it for you. I wish I could push this button and make it easy. But like, you know, if you want strong legs, get your ass to the gym. You want to increase your cardio, your body, you're going to have to do the work. No one is going to do any of this for you. And so when you take 100% responsibility for your life, what's going on, your actions, your thoughts, feelings, emotions, beliefs, behaviors, then you have the capability to change those. And it's your opportunity in your own quest to do that throughout life. And the more of us that make a meaningful quest that connect more to our spirits. Um, I was kind of thinking about this today. You know, we, we spend a lot of time, we, we feed our mind, you know, we feed our bank account with, with work. That's our main thing that we're feeding. Um, but we don't spend a lot of time like feeding our soul. You know, we don't think about those really deep things or like what really like fulfills me, you know? And like, yeah, like when's the last time you were like, 
you said like all kinds of swear words. I'm alive. You know what I mean? And like jump for joy. Like I am alive. Like, yes, this is amazing. You know, most of us are, yeah, most of us are just kind of, you know, a bit lethargic because of the world's beating us down. But the thing is, you got to realize you're much more powerful than the world. Most people don't give themselves credit for how powerful they are. You know, you've got the whole entire universe pulsing within you and it's going to be up to you to have that courage. And from the experiences I have, the only way that I've formed my connection with spirit and God and the universe in the way that I understand it was doing the things and taking the leaps of faith to see the universe act in extraordinary ways where I'm like, well, right on, you know, but I had to, I had to act and, and, and they just get bigger and more exciting as you continue. And so have that little bit of faith, start small and continue and ask and, and do your thing. But the universe will show up when you start putting the work in. Yeah. One thing I did this morning, even because it's, you know, we live up here in a very rural area. It's, it's not just your typical rural like farm area either. It's we're in the mountains and the Six River National Forest. And I, I go out in my front yard and I just raise my hands up and I'm like, ah, oh, I just took the air in. And I'm like, I love my life and I love this place. And that's just something simple you could do every morning. Just like you said, the little steps uh, and having the gratitude. Because we know by literally experiencing gratitude, we're changing our own um, mental fortitude in our own actual physiology. There's been scientific studies that have shown this. So having gratitude and um, taking those moments, you're so right. We spend so much time working on even our, our physicality or, um, you know, like you said, our, our job, working our bank account, but doing something as simple as 15, 30 minutes of meditation a day and giving ourselves a little break and, and, and giving ourselves a, our spirit and our soul a little workout is so some is something that's so important to do, and once again, going back to that, the self, you know, working on yourself. I'm seeing that massive trend. I mean, it's it's everywhere. So people are waking up to this. It's really exciting. I agree, Barry. And, you want to jump you know, in? Matt, I always, you, I always love hearing. Well, your I was talk. just. <laughs> well, I was just going to comment on. You know, you said, uh, well, like farming's hard. You know, working out's hard. But just like any athlete in training, or martial artist, or a farmer, just out working. You know, sure, there's a lot of effort put out, but it's really not work because uh, what you realize the more advanced you get in any of those endeavors is that it's um, the, the initial thing that seems like effort is actually overcoming your own inertia, your own mindset that those things are hard. And, uh, you know, uh, I came to a point in my athletic training way back where I felt, and in martial arts, we took it to the next level. It's actually a luxury to do a workout. You know, I just couldn't wait for it all day. It was a highlight of my day. You know, I'd be working in clinic and, and you know, had a career and family and all that. But, uh, you know, that was my time. And it wasn't like hard, you know, ripping out sets of squats or doing form training or, or sparring with somebody. It was actually a luxury. And the same thing now, uh, going out and farming. Yeah, we're digging holes. We're you know, putting up fences, we're doing all sorts of things. It's, it's physical labor, but it becomes a joy. And I think uh, the martial arts were an important transition for me because it went beyond just a physical culture because you now start integrating the fact that, well, what you're really doing is channeling your own energy into a so-called physical form. And, you know, in uh, traditional athletic training, especially some of the things I did like football, it's... Um, kind of like contemporary technologies where you just learn how to blow shit up rather than how to 
regenerate, you know. And, uh, you know, so you kind of rip your body apart and you train in a way that's just pushing, pushing, stressing. And, you know, it, it, it's not all bad, but you do, uh, you know, pay the price eventually. But in martial arts training, uh, you know, you're giving, uh, you're striving for more of a balance. You're looking at, uh, you know, your, your inner practices and things. So you're not just putting out effort to get uh, a pretty body. What you're really doing is becoming functional and most important, uh, coming in contact with the fact that you are with your own mind and your own intentions, putting forces in motion that then allow you to have real observable results in the, in the simulation, if you want to think of it that way. Same thing with farming. So I, I think we're at a time where people have been so reliant on technologies, uh, computers, um, and also sold uh, the idea that somehow we learn things from books and, uh, you know, everything's just kind of laid out, play it safe. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm at an age, you know, where all of the people that I grew up with, my contemporaries, are all just sitting around waiting to die. And, you know, I feel like I'm just finally in a place where I can start learning and, and, you know, life is, is better than ever, but our culture teaches us that, well, somehow you just, you know, do all these safe things and you come to a point where then you hopefully have enough stuff to pay the bills, you know, before you do die. So, um, and, and then even, you know, younger individuals these days, it's, uh, and I probably sound like an old fart talking like this, but you know, it's, it's more uh, about just having an easy life and not having to put out too much effort. And, but that's where I, I think physical cultures are so important because they put us, you know, everything back in our lap. It's like, it's your mind, your intentions, it puts forces in motion in the first place. And then you can see observable results as far as what that's actually producing. It's a perfect marriage of, uh, you know, like you said, uh, being in charge of your own universe. Bear, that was so eloquently put. That is why you are the black belt on this podcast. And, <laughs> and you've, you've had the experience and, and gone through the mastery because those reframes were amazing. And there's a, I think NLP is a great book for anybody learning or a great practice. There's a basics of NLP. It's not that hard to uh, pick that book up and read it, but just how your mind works and reframing is such a powerful tool. And you said, not only, uh, you know, training is not hard, it's a luxury. And I love, I love that. I think that's absolutely a, an amazing way to see it because we can see that for anything. And you could say one of the other ones I like is, um, I get to do this to, I or, or have to do this to, I get to do this. And yeah, there's effort, but the one piece that I wanted to kind of add on to is like, you're talking about the farming and the effort you put in. It seems like your contemporaries, that's the box of their mind. That's what is because of their beliefs and, and how they view the world. This is how they view their exit. And that's going to happen just because of how they think and their model of reality. So what is the best model, most uh, expansive, freeing, joyous, kind, compassionate um, model of the universe we can adopt for ourselves that works with everybody and everything? And one of the great ways to break the models of your mind is through the body. And I totally agree. And that's why I wrote Zen Athlete. I was going to make like a spiritual book of like the spiritual teachings I've learned uh, from my travels and the podcasts and all the training I've done. But the reason I made it for athletes is because 
you could Trojan, Trojan horse it in for the kids where they think they're getting better at soccer or football or baseball and they're actually learning about self-mastery. And if you break it down to like the three fundamental things, if you're going to teach a kid a basketball shot, first teach them to clear their mind, so three deep breaths. A person who can clear their mind and a person who cannot, fundamental shift in the quality of your consciousness and the freedom you experience in life. Uh, visualize the shot going in. It shows them that they influence the reality. Fundamental shift in consciousness and the quality of your life. Third, you miss the shot. What's the most powerful and positive perspective you can have in this situation? It doesn't always work out how we um, want it to, but it's our ability to respond to our environments that allow us to progress in our lives. Again, a fundamental shift in consciousness and the quality of your life. So when you're going through and you're doing your work and you're putting that effort, it's because it's your vocation. It's who you are. And that's such an important thing for people to find is really do that personal inquiry and what they're passionate about because they're going to be willing to put in that work. And, you know, I'd asked so many people this question for so long and I had one friend that was so analytical. I'd be like, Hey man, if you could do anything for the rest of your life, what would you do? And, um, you know, he's probably going to be like, Oh, you know, another $10,000 in the bank or something like that. And so I was like, you know what, this isn't going to work. I'm going to, I'm going to do a guided hypnosis with you. And I just made it up on the spot. And uh, hypnosis is quite simple. It's just relaxation with a little bit of direction. And so I hypnotized him into his heart. So I just got him to think about his heart. He goes in, he ends up crying and uh, coming out of it and thanking me and, and telling me all these amazing answers because I knew his mind. Uh, you know, our mind is the way that it works. And you would know this better than me from neurology and how the mind works, but it's programmed to keep us safe. So we look both ways. So we cross the street, but it goes rampant. And so we can't get into the heart and who we truly are because the mind is responsible for our safety. And for us to live here, we need food. And for us to go buy the food, we need the paper money. So if I ask you, what would you want to do for the rest of your life with, with any possibility, you're like, oh, wait, hold on. And the mind's going to modify that at least a bit because it's like, hey, dummy, you're not going to kill me to follow your dreams to go play guitar in the street. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so um, it's going to distort that to try to keep you safe and be nice. But your heart knows you're eternal, you're infinite, and you're capable yeah. of incredible things. And so when you're hypnotized into your heart and ask the same series of questions, you get a total different uh, series of responses. I've done this with millionaires, entrepreneurs, athletes, everyday Joes, and everything in between. And all their answers are very similar. And it comes down to like, how they want to leave their life. And it's a lot of letting go. I don't need all of this excess. I need time to work on the things that are most important to me that I can give back to others. I need time with people who uh, I value and, um, and I want to spend time in nature. Almost everybody's the same thing. And uh, anybody listening to this podcast, I'll happily give it to them for free because I think it's so important. It's just a guided meditation that I made. And if cool. you go to mattbelair.com forward slash masters, dash of dash flow you can get a link and it'll give you my zen athlete ebook and that hypnosis because what it'll do is it'll get you out of your head into your heart so you can then bring forth that thing and that vision where it's like oh you didn't have the handcuffs of making that daily wage and all these expectations and everything that you were supposed to do and everything your parents wanted you to be and everything society tells you it's like who am i and it just feels so pure and it's that feeling that lets you know that it's yours, then it's putting in that work effort and you get to go practice your craft. You get to go train. You get to go dig the holes, right? If you pay somebody 
20 bucks. You pay any kid in your neighborhood who's probably not a farmer 20 bucks an hour to dig the holes. Everyone's going to be cursing you and probably quit in a week because they don't want to dig holes. Meanwhile, you're however old you are digging these holes, you know, not a care in the world might come in over digging holes because you it's, it's a, it's right in line with who you guys are. And that's, I think a beautiful thing. You can do what's perceived as hard work and effort and all this tireless work, but with a sense of joy because it's meaningful. And the last thing I'll say in this rant is uh, I remember reading an article about this guy in like, I don't know, some foreign country like Iran or something like that. He spent like, I think it was 40 years, 60 years. It was an unbelievable amount of years. And he made a road with like a shovel and a pick for 40 years connecting these two cities. And it just showed the articles like the man finished. And so uh-huh. this guy's legacy was building a road, Google it. I hope it's true, but it's like man builds a road. And I was like, it was some absurd amount of years and that's all he did. And it's so amazing. And that's what I learned from the Shaolin masters was that, you know, when I asked him how he broke that stone, he basically said eight years of Qigong is when I did my first one in hard Qigong of, so it's outer the body. We got to tame that body and inner directing our force and our life force and connected to all things directed in one singular point through concentration and power of mind. Right. And then I thought that's a ridiculous thing. So if I apply that effort to something I'm, that's meaningful, then that's the ticket. You just keep going, but people don't want to apply that consistent effort. So it's got to be meaningful vision. That's heart inspired that you won't waver, that you're willing to overcome all of those obstacles and failures because they will come. They will come often. They will be a pain in the ass, but you will have the mental and uh, soul resolve to overcome them because it's who you are. And each level will give you a new level of knowledge, experience, and mastery. Yeah. You know, yeah, mind over matter, but heart over mind. Um, are you familiar with Ash Dykes? He's, uh, he was just on Rogan's podcast. He's uh, a kid from uh, Wales who uh, has broken three Guinness Book record, uh, records uh, trekking across the Mongolian desert, Madagascar, and he just did the Yangtze River. And he's a great example of somebody who's just from sheer will and passion because he loves it so much. He's done things that people thought were impossible and where he literally came down with, um, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the disease right now that everybody gets from mosquitoes. Um, malaria, uh, malaria in the jungles of Madagascar and actually was, he trekked for like hundreds of miles with it and any other human would have died but because of just his pure resolve and um, his passion for what he was doing, he was able to make it to an outpost to get treatment. Um, it's a great interview he did with Joe Rogan, but um, it was really fascinating to see what he was, uh, what the human body is able to accomplish when you are really t- tapped in, just like those monks. You know, um, the power of the mind and then connecting that with heart is really where the magic is. And I know Bear can can attest to this, like. And it's something that Western culture doesn't really give any credence to, but the heart is an amazing organ. It's an electrical brain that can do so much more than even the brain, right, Bear? I mean, the heart is an amazingly powerful um, piece of machinery in us. Well, it's, it's neurologically much more complex. And what we have to understand is just like uh, they knew thousands of years ago in Asian medicine, every organ system, especially the heart, is nothing more than a condensation of, of uh, certain patterns that then uh, manifests what we think of as a physical organ, but it's a holographic representation of something on a much deeper level. And, uh, you know, when we see an organ develop 
according to its neurology and physiology in the physical body, and it is more complex, well, then it's telling us a lot about the energies behind it. And, um, you, you know, I want to comment what, what you were talking about earlier, Matt. You know, I've been around more than a few bedsides when people are making their final journey, and never once ever did I hear somebody lament about, uh, uh, I wish I would have made more money. Uh, so, you know, uh, things become crystal clear, you know, at certain moments of our life. And I like the old Carlos Castaneda books, you know, where Don Juan was always admonishing Carlos to, uh, you know, have death on his um, left shoulder. And it wasn't a morbid thought, but it was always acknowledging that hey, you don't know when you're going to take yourself out of the simulation. And the most tragic thing that can happen to any of us is to come to that final realization and, and realize we didn't make the most of what we could make out of it. So, so important to live our life uh, the way Don Juan always taught, which was with impeccability. And, um, you know, as far as... Uh, making things happen and the practices that you describe with some of those masters uh we can even get into the science behind it that's that's laid out for us these days where you're just literally using your mind your intention your emotion which gives things the velocity to pop in the matrix uh you know without any passion behind things things just won't materialize but the more you do things that we have been taught are impossible um, you know, then the impossible happens. And the only reason why certain things uh, that you're describing take a little bit of effort uh, for these masters and, and have to spend so many years doing it is because uh, them, like the rest of us, have to overcome tremendous belief systems and engrams that have been deeply embedded in our consciousness. But what they prove is that these certain forces uh, which happen to be centripetal kind of, uh, you know, waveforms that you can harness with your mind. And the more you focus, they stratify in layers until they get to a, a point of uh, energy that allows things to pop in the matrix, even contrary to what our belief systems are. You know, I had uh, an adventure um, early on right after a lot of my medical training and I was first in private practice. And I won't get into the whole story, but I did uh, have a, one of these kind of indigenous characters take me under his wing. He was in his 90s at the time, and he was old school, trained in the old ways, selected at birth. You know, they, they didn't say, oh, I think I'll be a medicine man. He, they were trained at birth, and, and I realized uh, after being with him for a year, uh, you know, I did an apprenticeship of sorts. He um, uh, ended up uh, uh, being kind of a behind-the-scenes elder of a lot of the well-known people in the AIM movement and, and, and more the notables out there that were representing different tribes here in the country. But um, he used to let me play around with his stuff. He just lived in an old shack out in the woods, and I used to like to rummage through his things. And um, one day I found this gunny sack on this uh, ledge above his sleeping platform, and, and I didn't even know he walked in behind me. And I reached down in this gunny sack, and I'm like pulling this thing out, and uh, it was a bear head. <laughs> and he was a master of uh, what he called uh, owl and bear medicine. And uh, as soon as I put it out, the energy behind it was so powerful that it literally knocked me backwards off my feet onto the platform. 
And then, uh, you know, he said, you know, he kind of so many words said, that's cool, you know, rummage around looking and all that. But then he explained to me what that was and how that was not just his totem, but something that had been passed down for generations in his lineage of all these people trained, you know, very masterfully, like some of the people you're talking about, to imbue this with their practices, with energy until, you know, uh, that that object had so much energy. It wasn't just a superstitious kind of thing, but that energy that had been layered in and concentrated in that object was used in their, in their medical work and their healing. And uh, the real thing that it provided was such uh, a concentrated energy that it impacted your consciousness in a way where you had to suspend everything that, you know, you're thinking, believing, feeling, and, and just, literally altered your reality like you're on psychedelics or something. So, um, yeah, with those experiences from people from these cultures like you've had, uh, you know, they, they're the memory banks on the, on the planet uh, that have kept certain truths alive that are so important for us. And it's a reason now why they're surfacing in the Western world with some of us because now is the time of integration between the two hemispheres to the planet and the eastern part which was uh you know part of the planet that was the memory banks uh for a long time and then the western world which is more the manifestation at all cost and just more superficial materialistic uh now the two are merging because just like in the old eastern cultures like in places like india where they would leave their bodies at will and and reach these uh, you know, spiritual states, they would, uh, you know, and we think, wow, that's pretty amazing. But with them, that's just a belief system they grew up with. Not so much these days, but at one time. And then meanwhile, they look at the Western culture and being equal all like, how do you guys manifest all this crap all the time? It's amazing. So now we're merging the two. It's a perfect, um, you know, balance between manifestation and understanding where it all comes from in the first place. And we can do it in a responsible, conscious way where everybody has the space to have their own universe and create a collective that can do all these special things that we want to see in the world. That's amazing. I love the analogy of the two hemispheres of the world coming together like a brain. And it's, uh, it's something I've never thought of before. And I, I think so, too. I think that that's the way we're going. And when you guys are speaking, what it made me think of with the Ash Dyke story and, you know, this will or the mental fortitude i think part of the mental fortitude is the focus right is our ability to focus most people don't know how to quiet their mind uh and pinpoint one thing because their monkey mind is is pretty crazy but i remember i have a book and it's uh yogananda's book on spiritual affirmations or no scientific affirmations and what he says is that the and if you don't know yogananda he's the author of autobiography of a yogi it's an amazing book and very fascinating story and he said the reason why you're not manifesting is because you're not putting any will behind what you want you say you know i would like uh money to support my family and anytime it's money that's like very surface what you want is freedom what you want is something deeper but money allows that so granted you just want to go a level deeper so it doesn't matter i want an ideal job or an ideal partner whatever it is so if we live in an electromagnetic universe, let's say, and our, and our emotions are the magnetic pulse, and you say, I would like the ideal job, or I now have the perfect partner, and you say that, the universe, it, with, 
with your level of will you're responding is probably like 0.05 on the register of a hundred scale of like the magnitude of what the spiritual will is capable of. Um, and so now if you imagine the mother who has their car, um, on fire after an accident and pulled, you know, on its side and there's a screaming baby going to die. And all of a sudden this mother lifts up this car or truck, which has happened before because when it's happening, the mother doesn't think about how much she's been squatting. If she stretches, you know, whatever mm -hmm. she is like one thing, I am moving this thing and getting my kid out. And there are stories of it and it's miraculous. It's absolutely amazing. And what I think that is holding on to every, somebody accessing, all of their power, all of their will. And I think thinking about the rather than mental fortitude, it might be a good perspective to think about that will, your soul, what you're made of. If you, know, if you had to fight for your life for what you were worth and what you were capable of. And I think the Ash Dyke story is with what my own travels were for was to see who I am to see what I'm capable of, right? And for him, that's what he, I think, in part what he was doing. And because he has addressed that to a very high degree and he chose to be there and he wanted to choose to tell that story. His will was the thing that got him out. And it's something similar to me when I uh, had my experience on Mount Everest, you know, that was, I came pretty close to, you know, leaving the planet there and I don't know what it was, but I would, I would liken it to my will and be like, you know, you're going to tell this story because otherwise you're going to be a popsicle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that, you know, if we think about our will and like our essence and how powerful we are, and we know we're connected to the entire universe, connecting to that, your soul essence, man, and just giving it all you have here to something that's meaningful. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You're going to have to let go of all the crap that is not meaningful, right? You wanted to be Olympian. You're not going to drink with your buddies on Friday. Um, you just get real aligned on the thing that you want. You find the balance and the character and the experiences that are most meaningful for you. And you apply that will, your own essence, your own unique signature, man. And you plant it here and you just give it your all. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, you hit the head on the nail, uh, so many points there. And you said the word balance, which I also think is important because I think in this culture too, sometimes people that are going for it, athletes especially, they overdo it, right? They, they get so in tune with their physicality for, let's say, and not maybe with the spiritual side, or whatever, that they're out of balance there. But, or, you know, it's good to take a break and maybe go have a beer with friends if you're gonna, or a kombucha or <laughs> a tea or something, you know, if you're training. So um, that's another thing that the masters knew in the martial art and martial arts too, is having that balance that, you know, we live in a reality, like I said, of the polarities, the yin and the yang. And um, finding that balance is so crucial. So just wanted to throw that in there. And um, really another thing too, I think that we keep talking about is this understanding that, you know, in, in especially in Western society, we're always told through the materialistic point of view that a lot of this stuff's woo-woo in terms of, you know, I personally think the mother who's saving her kid, it's, you know, they'll say it's the adrenaline that gave her the strength to do that. But I think she's actually pulling an electrical charge from the ether if you will, that's giving her this outside strength that it's actually these other forces, like a real superhero is actually lifting this vehicle up because physically she just couldn't do it. And in the Western world, we're always searching for the answers of what that is. And I think finally we're, we're breaking in, breaking that mold and we're starting to, it's starting to become more in vogue to understand that there is such a thing as non-local mind. 
and that we're not this like this when i say those listening i'm pointing to my body this meat sack we're in this is just the uh, the astronaut suit that we come into for this experience that we choose to come into and it's just how this density works and it's actually an amazing machine probably the most complex uh, piece of machinery or uh, whatever we want to call it on this planet but that's still all it is it's a tool it's a tool for our consciousness and that we are so much greater than that and we can we can literally perform magic on this plane so um, we're starting to see that. I don't know if you're familiar with the Global Consciousness Project, um, but they're starting to show that with, you know, true empirical data that there is this sort of thing where it's a non-local mind and that we can work together uh, in a hive mind of sorts non-locally to, to create change. So there's really exciting stuff going on in terms of all that. But yeah, um, knowing that just having this awareness and using things like the internet and shows like this to bring this awareness to others is only going to ignite um, that passion amongst people to have the resolve and, and the understanding that, hey, I can do whatever I want in my life. I can change my life tomorrow with a thought form. Um, and maybe we can get into some techniques. I do want to save um, a little bit of time for our Patreon users um, that are supporting us, and we'll do five, 10 minutes with with Matt, um, just for our Patreon users, and might as well bring that up now. Um, if you want to support the show and if you're really enjoying this content, a great way to do that, besides getting our products on alphavedic.com, is by joining us on Patreon. Uh, we've jumped into that, and that's Patreon forward slash alphavedic. And um, with that, there's a couple different tiers there, but just becoming a basic um, $5 Patreon supporter will um, give you access to additional content. And so we're, we're uh, looking to put a lot more content on there from tutorials to um, different inspirational videos and also just different techniques and stuff to help you with, with mastering this stuff. And, and I mean, it is like we were saying with the athletics, it's stuff you got to do. You got to go out and put your work in to do it. That's why we manifest. That's why we came into this reality is because we have this like the ability to experience this stuff. Um, so you got to put the work in, um, but like anything, run, going and running a couple miles or challenging yourself with a workout or doing a cold shower after it, how do you feel? You feel amazing. You might be suffering during it, but after you feel absolutely amazing and there's a reason why you get that reward. So, um, but Matt, uh, maybe throw out uh, to the community here and the listeners a couple little techniques that you would, um, you know, that you like to do in your daily life or in your coaching and then like I said, we'll go to Patreon and maybe do one that's a little more specific, but anything that you could recommend for folks out there to kind of help them tap into this? Yeah, it's a really great question. <clears throat> I have a, a ton of techniques. Um, some of my favorites are in the book Zen Athlete and they can get a, a um, copy of that. I kind of sent them the ebook link. So I'd invite them to check that out. I think it's a process for many in it and, and all of them are different and good in some way. So I would just say a general body practice and people, it doesn't have to be for, you know, strength, right? You, you want to do weight training, do weight training, but find something fun you like to do, do something physical, you know, learning to master your body. You're going to learn a lot no matter what way you want to do that. So I would invite people to do that. A mental practice like meditation is great. Um, you could use sound experiences, sound bowls, uh, just meditation in general, just sit there. I'm um, going out in nature. I, I remember, reading a book called Jesus and the Essenes and the Essenes were supposed to be this like ascended group that knew Jesus oh, was yeah. coming. And they said, there's four ways to know God. I believe uh, one of them was through uh, study. 
One of them was through introspection, meditation. One of them was through nature. And one of them was through a teacher, I believe. I think those were the four. So one of them was nature. And I have a friend who I hadn't seen in a long time. And we were having like, I didn't see him in three years. And he wasn't like the guy you would have the deepest conversations with. Let's put it that way. And I come back, I haven't seen him. And we're talking about the deepest topics. It's like, bro, when did you start getting into that? This, he's like, oh man, I've been into it for a while. And I was like, how did you figure this out? He goes, dude, all I do is drive my snowmobile out in the nature and spend time in nature. And that's how he had just done it. And I think, you know, his, the way that he would be the last person you would ever imagine to have a deep conversation with and had to, we just had an extraordinarily pleasant conversation by getting out in nature. And um, for a technique, I would say learn self-hypnosis. Uh, it's not complicated. It's just, it's just giving yourself a guided visualization. So to give a really clear example, I had a, a freestyle motocross rider reach out to me. I was doing some coaching with Pat Bowden, who's a, he's a nitro circus. And one of his buddies reached out and said, Hey, uh, I heard you're good. I, I fell on a front flip and I would like to be able to land it and some other variations. And I said, all right, let's have a chat. So we jump on a call and uh, he just tells me the story. His mental game is pretty strong. I give him some suggestions just to maybe help a little bit. And I said, dude, you don't have to read my book, but you can, it'll help. And you don't have to go through the course. You can, it'll help. All you actually have to do is visualize this trick every single day until you know you can land it'll probably take you about a week because you have the skill sets um so three weeks later he had the competition he landed the front flip on the motorcycle three weeks after that he landed the world's first front flip heel clicker on a motorcycle wow. three weeks after that he landed the world's first front flip superman on a motorcycle wow. and he wasn't even practicing it he was going around schools in australia um teaching you know doing motivational talks for kids and so that was through the power of visualization and the work of dr joe dispenza some of the stuff we were talking about here gonna say uh, him. yeah connecting to that realm we have he had a very clear and defined image and so what I invite, that's what self-hypnosis is a practice. I, I strongly believe in is that repetition and just that visualization. It kind of keeps us on track because if we're visualizing something every day, we might be like, you know what? I'd like to modify it a little bit. You know, it's like, oh, I'm a little bit lacking in relationship. I'm going to add that in there. I'm a little bit lacking in finance. I'm going to add that in there. I'm a little bit lacking in, in meeting or I need this person. And so we add that to our visualization and it really does dramatically help how we manifest in this reality. And it's one very important tool that most people are not using so we need the daily actions right through our physical form and our to-do list and all that stuff we got to knock off and then also the spiritual form of like how we connect with spirit god and the universe through what we ask and how we pray and how we visualize and we are forming the thing and the person that we want to be and it also keeps us in line because that person's in the future right so if that person in the future is an a-hole or we're not proud of them we're going to shift it so we're we're crafting the person or the avatar in the simulation that we want to be amazing Great, Matt. Um, God, everything you're saying is so great. How can uh, people find all your work, your books, and if you could just share that with us here? Sure. The best spot, mattbelair.com is going to have all of the links. I'm all over the internet. Uh, zenathlete.com will have a program over there. I just op opened the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Academy. So this is a 21-day transformation challenge. With uh, It's a general challenge, but then little tidbits of exercises and tools that work all tools that help gain clarity and, and mental focus and all that that works so you can check that out and just send me an email if you're curious or you're interested and you want to give me feedback a very accessible matt at zenathlete.com would love to hear from you but uh, if you go over to those websites you'll be able to find everything i'm working on that's very cool that you're providing a community of action there 
where you can kind of connect with everybody and you guys can all have goals and work together and help each other out. That's, you know, that's something important. We did talk a lot today about individual growth, but you need that tribe. I mean, that's really what we're all as humans um, requiring is that support and having our tribe. And that's really cool that you're providing that. So everyone, please go join that. Uh, I know it's something new Matt's doing and it's super rewarding and I'm going to jump in there too and, and get in there and, and join your tribe. And um, we're doing this uh, something similar too and um, on our Telegram channel. And um, that's amazing. Well, I think that's, uh, we can wrap it up here uh, unless there's anything else we want to cover real quickly. But man, we, we ran the gamut there. We covered a lot today. Uh, any yeah. Par any parting words for our community and for the listeners, Matt? Yeah, man. I just want to just give you two gratitude. You're doing amazing work. So if you're following this podcast, you're probably in, in great alignment. These You're in good hands with these two fellows. Um, it was an honor to be here. The last thing that I'd just say is just remember that you really are capable of anything and you just need to connect to that thing, that inspiration of, of who you are and what you want to do. And um, I'll just kind of reiterate something I said before. You know, as we move along, I think the best thing that we can do is uh, do three kind acts a day, go out of our way to do it and don't tell anyone. And if you, do, I call it the kindness challenge. If you do this for a week, you will probably have a universal wink. Something really weird will happen to you that's just for you to know that you uh -huh. like, like a glitch in the matrix. I mean, what? And so you can get somebody's name, pick up a piece of trash. Um, you know, every time you get a coffee, um, get the person's name, pay it forward, pick up a piece of trash. There's three kind acts. Let somebody in in traffic. Let somebody you know that you uh, care about them. But um, David Lohenbeer explained it in a way of uh, electrical engineering where, you know, you need an action for there to be the, the, the energy to go between the two. And since the bodies are electromagnetic, every positive action allows that, that field to grow. And we're in a field. It's like, so you need the actual action to happen. Yep. Uh, it was two hours. I barely understood what he said. But what I do know that has happened that I can confirm is many emails from people being like, basically, you'll never believe this, dot, dot, dot. I took the challenge and crazy story. Amazing. And I just look at it. And I was like, and it's always like, that makes no sense. You know, that's incredible. <laughs> that makes no sense. So it's always unique to the individual. And the worst part of if that doesn't happen, you just be a good human for a week. So believe in yourself, be kind to others, be kind to yourself and just appreciate. Yeah. Just know you can do big things. You, you really can. Amazing. Um, yeah. One thing I started journaling, uh, I, I've been, you know, I've always tried to get into journaling um, big fan of stoicism and Marcus Aurelius. And he was always uh, pushing the, he was journaling thousands of years ago uh, before it was so trendy. And so I've kicked in a new journaling um, modality literally yesterday. I started it. Um, and it's like uh, you mark your habits per day. And one of my habits here is right here. I don't know if you can see is give where I'm oh, trying nice. to do one, one thing of just giving every day. And, um, and then the, the journaling helps to stay on top of it. It helps just organize, you know, just be more conscious of, of this practice. So um, uh, we talk about it on our Telegram group and stuff uh, about journaling and all this stuff. So if you guys are, are into this talk and want to join the Alpha Vedic community, um, you can do so in a number of different ways. You can go to alphavedic.com and join our mailing list there. A little pop-up will pop up or you can go down to the, the footer there and put in your email and you'll get notifications on future shows, discounts for, and for products and, and just stay up to date with what we're doing. Um, or you can join our telegram group. Telegram's a great little app you can get on your phone or your computer. It's just a, uh, essentially like a community chat. And, uh, the link is really easy. It's t.me 
t.me forward slash alpha vedic and uh, that'll just bring you right into the app and you can join us and um, we've got a great community of folks in there that are just uh, we bring up all, all this stuff all day long linking to cool videos and techniques and ideas and just really getting to trippy off the wall conversations it's really a safe space and it's really become a family so um, I appreciate everybody in our telegram group I love you guys um, and uh, so if you want to join a really safe group to, and this is this stuff's resonating with you please join us there. Otherwise, just go to alphavedic.com um, to find all our other links. And of course, like I said, our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash alphavedic. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Bear, any parting words for the community and listeners? No, just uh, Matt, you're truly amazing. And uh, thanks so much for everything you're doing. And especially thanks for being with us today. Greatly, greatly appreciated. And uh, I look forward to more interaction in the future with you. Me too. Thanks, Bear. It's an honor. Awesome, guys. Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening today. And uh, everybody have a blessed, wonderful day. Get out there and have some fun in your life. Cheers.